Hi, welcome to the second episode in this new series. Do you really want to know mental health conversations? In our first episode, I gave a brief overview of my experiences as a mental health carer for my son and what led me to apply for the SANE Australia Hocking Community Grant. This episode will look at the topic mental health carer stress, fatigue and burnout. What are people's lived experiences in Australia? What causes it? What helps? Some of the content of this podcast may raise distressing feelings and issues for you. At the end, I will list a number of services you may feel the need to get in touch with. To reach as many people throughout Australia as possible, I created a survey monkey through Mental Health Family and Friends Tasmania with a number of broad, open-ended questions about the caring experience. And I shared it through social media and newsletters of most mental health and care organisations throughout Australia. To date, approximately 60 people have kindly shared their experiences. People from all over Australia have taken part. People from their late teenage years to their late 70s have participated. Many are caring for multiple family members. The survey is still open, so please go to the Mental Health Family and Friends Tasmania social media or website to find the survey link. Describe your caring role. Some are providing significant outreach support. Here is what they say. I'm a sister, providing significant unpaid informal support. I care for my son. We speak daily and I see him at least two to three times a week. I help him shop and maintain his daily life and meds and living situation. Daily phone contact, more if needed, weekly visits. Others are providing constant around-the-clock support. Here is what they say. 24-hour support for mood stabilisation, supervising meals six days a week, transport and support for appointments, psychological support to interact with others, supervising medication, financial, home, medical, daily support. Provide a home environment that feels safe and where she feels valued. Assist with talking through panic attacks to help with calming her. Assist with challenging suicidal thoughts. Be someone she will notify if planning to act on thoughts of suicide. Keeping him calm. Keeping him in reality. Encouraging him to challenge himself. Keep the peace. Try to rationalise and soothe, oversee medication, arrange and attend appointments with health professionals, look out for precursors and worrying signs. Making sure her life is under control, managing her NDIS team. Bit of everything. Untrained psychologist, psychiatrist, mother, friend, social worker, support worker, Driver, secretary. I've been his sole carer for 17 years 
but I've had to put out numerous restraining orders on him as he's mentally and physically wearing me down so much that I'm becoming a recluse. I assist, support and generally do most things for my son. I clean, cook, assist with his shopping, encourage him to pay his accounts and try and get him out of his house as much as I can, even if it is a car ride and a meal out. I am also his friend, as he has no friends. I am also his mum and I am also his advocate. What are the main behaviours that require support? These vary widely. Here are some of them. Diffusing behaviour and situations is frequently mentioned by carers. Support with trying to rationalise their thoughts and behaviours by talking to them. Providing support when they're losing touch with reality, illusions and anger. Providing reassurance when they're erratic and anxious. 24-7 supervision for fear of harm to self and others. Helping with reality grounding, reminders and encouragement. Maintaining safety from self-harm and risk of harm to others is frequently mentioned by respondents. Here are some of their responses. Getting help with drug therapy and alcohol support, medical help from overdoses, my daughter's non-compliant with medical needs, lacks an awareness of danger, temperature, i.e. wearing woolly clothes on hot days, going barefoot in winter, there's confusion at times, i.e. night and day activities. My son is paranoid, angry or depressed when acutely unwell. My daughter has... Suicidal behaviours, seizures, anxiety attacks, depression and hypomanias. My brother has disorganised thinking, risk-taking, excessive alcohol intake, catastrophizing, extreme anxiety in new situations, paranoia, low self-esteem. Motivating and providing constant motivation in their caring role is frequently mentioned. Here are some comments. Support to man manage daily activities, meal preparation, decision making. Self-care. He can physically do it, but doesn't think so. So he can go for days without a shower. Time management. Getting out of bed on time. Listening and validating your feelings. Support with living skills is also frequently touched upon. Monitoring his stability, socialising, doing things together to maintain his social interpersonal skills, cleaning, tidying up his unit. He won't go and ask for any help from any of the services. He's homeless. He doesn't want any responsibilities of living in a house. Anything involving having to go somewhere where there are lots of people. Loss of memory of everyday tasks, like washing and cleaning. Distraction, 
lack of concentration due to medication and voices. Remind us to eat. Remind us to sleep. Most carers, or around 60%, surveyed rated their level of stress as variable or very high. A further 28% rated their stress as high, with less than 15% rating it low to medium. What are the main challenges for you as a carer? This varies according to the personal circumstances of the carer. For those in the workforce, day-to-day -day job work pressures have a huge impact. I'm working full-time and supporting my husband. I have a lack of work-life balance. There's not enough unpaid and unpaid time from work. I'm so exhausted from working and travelling to and from work to also to be a carer. My main challenge is managing my full-time job and doing things for myself. Being a carer involves maintaining constant vigilance. I always need to be aware and monitoring, not getting a rest from a mental and emotional impact. My main challenge as a carer is keeping my daughter alive. Being available when he needs me in case he chooses to self-harm in an attempt to suicide. Always scared my daughter is going to die. Being continually alert to any signs that he's becoming psychotic. However, the level of my alertness depends on whether he's on a treatment order or gets his injection medication from a GP. When he's on a treatment order, the mental health team monitors him. So that relieves me from being the main person having to assess for signs. If he doesn't turn up for his injection, they'll take action. For many, being an effective advocate for their loved one is a constant battle. Here are some of their comments. The main challenge for me is... Not wanting to rescue her and make things right. Trying to get what Marty requires. Knowing when to take charge versus empower. Making sure Jenny's life is as normal as possible. Trying to decide when I need to challenge their thinking or actions. Many carers report that over time their physical, social and emotional health suffers. My main challenge is when I get sick or injured, it makes it hard. One of my main challenges is my own health issues. I don't get any time for self-care or time out. I have no life. I'm burnt out. For many carers, ongoing financial strain adds to the burden. Financial stress is my main challenge. Financial, loss of career and independence. Having to retire early to be a carer and not having much super. The social isolation, stigma and loneliness of being a carer is very real. My own loneliness, in that I can't even talk about it. Family and friends become overwhelmed. I have such sadness over what could have been. Shame. Dealing with everything on my own, with no support from his father. Feeling like I'm not being heard.
I don't feel connected to other carers. I don't get a break. What services and supports help you in your caring role? Many carer respondents felt that they had access to very little in the way of services and supports. Some have access to support via local carer organisations, provided by people with a lived experience of mental health caring. Some have built their own informal networks of peers as distinct from friends who do not share their lived experiences. One respondent says, I belong to a group of mums with children with a mental illness. We meet for lunch about every two months. We have been meeting for 19 years. Some say that the services ex exist to meet their loved one's needs but not theirs. theirs. None, or we don't have any services, were the most common responses. What type of formal supports do you have? This question refers to formal supports such as counselling, psychologist services, etc. Most respondents responded with none, zero, or none currently, or made reference to patchy intermittent service provision. Some referred to the limited therapy sessions available via mental health plans, but the financial impost and lack of, lack of availability of services were frequently mentioned as affecting carer access to any formal support. Here is one response. Currently none. About 20 years ago, I saw a psychologist after he had attacked me when he was psychotic. This was paid for by a victim's fund in Victoria. The police referred me to it and I had 12 sessions. How do you perceive your caring role will impact on your future? Here are some responses. I'm raising a three-year-old in what should have been my golden years. A total unknown. No superannuation, so later years will have to be frugal at best. It'll definitely wear me out so much. I've thought of killing him and myself at times. Sometimes I cannot see how things will change. Hopefully his NDIS application will come through and he will be able to get some good support. I cannot see how our relationship can mend unless he gets some good support going. Sometimes I think I cannot do it and think about separating from the relationship. This will impact my kids. This will impact my partner. He is very non-functional and may end up homeless if we separate. That's variable depending on the stage and level of need. I'm worried for my son's future as I age and think about what to put in place when I am not around to care for him. I am aware that I don't want to place all the responsibility onto his sister as well. Keep doing what I'm doing. 
take each day or week as it comes. Describe any other impacts that your caring role has had on your life. Most carers describe the negative impacts of caring on their life. Here are some of their responses. My career has been impacted. I cannot travel even if I could afford it. Changed my life completely. I've changed careers, can only work casually, have very little superannuation, don't own a home. Relationship issues. My husband finds it difficult to understand. It contributes to low self-worth feelings as it feels such a hopeless situation that I cannot change. I feel bad for my kids who have such an absent and irritable, although at some times a very loving and caring father, and for my 10-year-old who has become his carer also. Stigma, ignorance, denial, and judgment by services, family and friends, and the community. People are frightened, unaware, or skeptical of psychosis and schizophrenia. There are also some positive comments about the impact of the caring role on their lives. I've learned a lot about mental illness. I've become more informed, empathetic, and compassionate. I've become an advocate and I volunteer frequently with people who have a mental illness or addiction or live in poverty. And finally, I remind myself to relax and let myself go when times are good and remind myself of the many strengths and beautiful attributes that my loved one has. So what services and supports that mental, would mental health carers like to see established to help them continue in their caring role and not get to the stage of total fatigue and burnout, which leads to dire personal health consequences, as well as a very limited ability to continue to advocate effectively for our loved ones. The next episode will look at this. We'll also look at the other aims of my project which are to draw on best practice examples in the UK and Trieste, Italy, and describe their models of care where the carer is identified and involved during all stages of care planning and provision. I really look forward to your feedback. What would you like to see covered in future episodes of Do You Really Want to Know? Mental Health Conversations? Please email your ideas to Do You Really Want to Know podcast at gmail.com, all lowercase. I look forward to hearing your responses. And again, if this episode has raised any concerns for you, please contact Lifeline 131114. Kids Helpline 1800 55 1800 Beyond Blue 1300 22 4636 or Sane Australia 1800 
1872.